Hi and welcome to Mark's Motivational Podcast with your host Martin Strange. So this is uh, the Tuesday episode with Orlando Zichetto. We're going to have um, a, a series every Tuesday um, around the area of neurolinguistic programming. So today I was delighted to talk to Orlando around the, the area of hypnotherapy and, and hypnosis. So that was a really good episode. Thanks a million, Orlando, for coming on. So I really hope you enjoyed it. So once again, if you have any any questions for Orlando, um, I'll be doing this every every Tuesday. So um, any questions, the next one's going to be around timelines. So if you have any questions, don't hesitate to email me on marklestrange11 at hotmail.com. And um, we, I'm, sh- I'm sure we'll certainly get the answer for you. Okay, take care. Have a great week. Hi and welcome to Mark's Motivational Podcast for this Tuesday episode. So today I'm delighted to be joined by Orlando Zichetto again. Um, we're going to do a, a series um, uh, every Tuesday now um, based around neurolinguistic programming and uh, the different modalities um, around it. So today we're going to do talk to Orlando about um, hip, hip, hypnosis and hypnotherapy. So you're very welcome along again, Orlando. Thanks for doing this. Hey, thanks for having me along, Mark. I'm um, really looking forward to this. One of my favourite subjects. Yeah, <laughs> great stuff. Great stuff. <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah, yeah it's uh, me too. Yeah. But, um, so, like, I'll start off the first question um, today. Most people, um, uh, when they hear of hypnosis, they think of stage hypnosis. Like, yeah. for, for some people, it has a kind of a stigma attached to it. Like, you know. Um, but but what, what's the different types of uh, hypnotherapy, um, Orlando? Well, it, look, I'll start off with that, Mark, and you're absolutely right. Uh, a lot of people have a reference point for the word hypnosis or hypnotherapy, and uh, it's often what we've seen on TV. I mean, there's some awesome work by uh, Darren Brown, uh, Paul McKenna, and, and yeah. there are other names as well that uh, are synonymous with this thing that's hypnosis or hypnotism and hypnotherapy. But just to unpack that a little bit, um, the first thing I'd qualify to, to clarify is that you know, often uh, hypnotherapy and hypnosis are put in the same ball together. Hmm. But uh, what I'd like to clarify for your listeners and for yourself, for everybody, is hypnosis is the tool that's being used, if you like. It's the process. Hmm. Now, it, hypnosis is used in a variety of different uh, or taught and utilized in a variety of different manners. Uh, a lot of people have heard of self-hypnosis. Um, as you uh, rightly pointed out, stage hypnosis, uh, conversational, direct hypnosis, indirect hypnosis, and hypnotherapy, and hypnosis in a clinical environment. And uh, clinical hypnosis is often either clinical hypnotherapy or clinical hypnosis. Now, I won't unpack everything because I know yeah. the whole episode tonight's not just an explanation. Yeah. Um, but what I'd like to clarify there is Hypnotherapy is a form of therapy that utilizes hypnosis within the therapeutic model. Mm. So if you go along for hypnotherapy, as long as you're working with somebody, and I would certainly hope you are, you're going to see somebody who's qualified in what they do, um, then that person has learned about the therapy model that includes hypnosis. Mm. Now, that does differ from, for example, stage or street hypnosis. You know, stage hypnosis is, it's entertainment. You know, 400 people walk into a room, a hypnotist comes out on the stage, 
and they're all expecting an experience and most people in the audience will know before they go that the participants on stage will come from the audience mm-hmm. um, and that's wonderful um the, there's usually a suggestibility test because the what that means is the hypnotist is going to get the whole crowd to put their hands together and say a few words uh, not in prayer specifically but uh, the hypnotist will say a few words and some members of the audience will find to sometimes to their delight or to their amazement that their hands just do not want to come unstuck. Well, no big surprise, the hypnotherapist, uh, the, sorry, the hypnotist is going to choose those people to come on stage. Mm. Now, um, it, it's not going along to those shows, uh, the, and, I, and I've been to plenty of them. I yeah, enjoy the great, form, the great form. Yeah, and I enjoy a lot of forms of different entertainment. Yeah. I, I don't go to a, a, a music show to watch someone learn to play the guitar. I I want the members of the band, all of them that are on stage, to be willing and able to do what they're doing. So the the hypnotist is setting up people that are most likely to want to be on stage uh, and indulging in the process, if you like, and they're agreeable before they even get up there. Uh, There's no pressure. There's no need. There's no pressurization. You must come up. It's none of that. It's people are willingly going up on stage to create a show. Now, hypnotherapy, as I said, is a form of therapy, and there are different types of hypnotherapy, but the guts of it really is that a person has a problem or issue that they would like to resolve, or they would like to enhance their ability in doing something, which is where uh, sports people, uh, very much Mm -hmm. so, people in business look to, they're already doing very well, but they want an edge above what everybody else is doing. So they want the, that top two inches, they want to refine that so they've got every single possibility they could have towards mm. success. Um, now, that's very different to a stage environment, of course. You don't have an audience of 400 for a start. Um, and very much it is a therapeutic model that's utilizing an altered state of consciousness that is um, the process of hypnosis to influence the, the client, the willing client again, uh, to get more of or to get what they want, not what they don't want. Yeah. So um, for those that are conversant in NLP, that sounds a lot like a well-formed outcome. There's a huge amount of crossover. Uh, NLP is a model of human behavior. Hypnosis is a specific process or a set of dip- different processes to alter a state of consciousness, uh, often referred to as bypass the critical faculty. That is the the conscious thinking, the analytical thinking, and get into those reasons in the back of the mind why someone just does what they do. And uh, when you think about that, uh, it it, it opens up the door to the likes of uh, self-hypnosis. Self-hypnosis is learning to do for yourself what you would be achieving with a hypnotist. (laughs) So give yourself your own suggestions and create change at a deeper level than just a conscious level. Um, if, if anyone can create change at the conscious level, that takes a bit of determination, a bit of willpower, a bit of willingness to do so. Where hypnotherapy is often sought is when the person's tried to do that several times and there's something just stopping them. Well, they know that it's something inside themselves, it's something going on, but they don't know how to overcome it or get around it. And that's where we start looking for uh, a an unconscious solution mm. to a problem which is outside of conscious awareness. Makes sense. Yeah. 
yeah, definitely. You know, yeah, that, that's great. That, that's a great explanation. Thanks for that, Orlando. That's brilliant. So, uh, moving on to the next question, there is what what types of problems can hypnotherapy um help people with? Like, um, what what different uh things would you say um people come to you or or um use other hypnotherapists um for? Well, uh, yeah, look, there's some some really commonly um, advertised, you know, for 30, 40 years now, um, stopping smoking, weight loss, um, sports performance. You know, th these are more commonly known, as it were, um, yeah. than many other uses. Uh, in recent times, um, with the, the advent of um, governments, councils and businesses taking an interest in uh, well-being, um, hypnotherapy is being utilized uh, more obviously for stress anxiety um sometimes i hear it termed as first world problems but we do live in a first world yeah. so we're going to have problems huh? but more to the point there, there's a huge range that of different things that can be overcome um there, there's i i'm aware of clients uh, not not of my own clients but i'm aware of clients that have overcome paralysis um, I've successfully worked with clients um, with uh, post-surgical amnesia uh, that is from having uh, often related to uh, an older generation um, in uh, due to chemical anesthetic. Uh, often there's uh, amnesia to some degree um, that usually rectifies itself over three months. I've seen that process dramatically sped up and in uh, a couple of clients, one specifically I'm thinking of, where nine months later, no recall had returned for a certain set of information. Wow. After working together for about three months on and off, not every day per se, I was maybe six sessions over that three-month period, uh, the ability to rebuild that memory and find other ways to connect back uh, was achieved. Uh, in saying that, my personal client load uh, has a lot to do with stress, anxiety, um, people that are highly conscientious that have quite frankly forgotten how to relax. Um, even when they are relaxed, they, they'll sit in front of me and I'll say, well, demonstrate being relaxed. And I'll say, what do you mean? I, I am relaxed. And yeah. like, wow. <laughs> no, you're not. <laughs> um, but look, yeah, a lot of this is, is indicative of the, 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 the life that we, the society we live in, the world we live in. Uh, we want you know meals in three minutes or less. The, the microwave became popular because it was so fast, yeah, um, yeah. and things have got faster and faster and faster. And human beings have adapted phenomenally well, but we all have a point where we need to stop and recharge. Mm -hmm. And often, I find that assisting somebody, guiding them through the process of altering their state of consciousness and being able to go into a state of mind and body where they can relax at an extremely deep level. Things like shoulders dropping happen. Um, not uncommon, uh, people get a tear to the eye, and it's not because they're upset about the process of what's going on or that they're overjoyed. It's actually physiological. Uh, the muscles around the back of the neck are actually relaxing to a point where their tear ducts start working properly. Um, this is a natural process for keeping our eyes nice and moist, but consistent tension uh, delays that from being possible. Um, habitual change, addiction change, uh, smoking, cocaine, heroin, other drugs, 
um, use of marijuana, uh, both um, uh, marijuana and the synthetic marijuana. Um, IBS, uh, is, hypnotherapy is highly, highly useful uh, in the in, as a part of the treatment for IBS, wow. irritable wow. bowel syndrome, yeah. um, which there are phenomenal rates of. Um, weight loss, or as I would look, rather term it, weight management. Mm. Um, I've worked at both ends of the spectrum with clients with anorexia and bulimia or moving towards that direction in young people, unfortunately. Um, and I say unfortunately because th there is something heartbreaking about sitting in front of a 15-year-old who's on the brink of being hospitalized for being underweight. I I'm not a parent myself. Uh, but my heart goes out to parents in that moment. And then I change and I become step into my professional trousers, as it were, and it's game time on. Um, you use every ounce of skill to help that person. And then on the other end of the scale, you know, rates of diabetes are through the roof worldwide because of diet, processed foods, uh, sugars, da-da-da-da-da. And many of these people, if they could stop, they would, but they don't. Now, I personally think that um, from my own experience, um, sorry, I don't personally think I know from my own personal experience, uh, people that are coming to see me for weight management to reduce weight and are starting to have other physiological problems, problems with knees, problems with uh, uh, ankles, uh, diabetes and other uh, heart related problems. These people are many of them are very, very hypnotizable. Because And that's a big chunk of how I believe they got there in the first place, because advertising is a form of hypnosis. Look, advertisers, government agencies, they've known this for a long time. <laughs> and to me, uh, a big part of becoming educated in what is hypnosis, what, what are the foundational skills of it, of neurolinguistic programming, is uh, the, the old uh, adage, uh, I, I, this was touted a lot in New Zealand, I don't know about here so much, but Ignorance is no excuse. Mm. Not being aware of the law doesn't mean you're allowed to break it and get a pardon. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> unfortunately, ignorance is the, maybe the reason. And to me, ignorance isn't a bad thing. It just simply means someone hasn't learned something. And in the, in the realms of health, especially, well, to be ignorant, in my opinion, is a wonderful thing. Because the moment you realize you are, you can learn what you need to know mm. to get what you want. Yeah. Whereas a person that remains ignorant uh, of what it is they need to know, they're in trouble, man. Like, yeah. how are they going to ask for help if they don't even know what to ask for? Yeah. So the, the, the range of things that can be assisted with, uh, I'm hesitating legally to say the word cured, <laughs> yeah. um, but the, the, the range of assistance, you know, like for IBS, for example, um, the... On average, clients have a report a 50 to 100% reduction in symptoms. I've never worked with a person with IBS that's come back and said, well, that was an absolute waste of time. Nothing's better than it was. Nothing's changed. Now, I am not advocating that all IBS can be cured with uh, hypnotherapy and it's all in someone's head, daddy, daddy, daddy. Humans are a lot more complex than that. Yeah. Yeah. In saying that, uh, hypnotherapy is and hypnosis are phenomenal tools for helping people self-manage levels of anxiety, levels of stress, levels of comfort, levels of relaxation. Mm. And anyone that's ever suffered with IBS or knows someone that has, there's good reason sometimes to be anxious.
Yeah. And that state of anxiety, that perpetual readiness, it's, it's a bad plan. It's not good for health. Um, you know, the, every single client, uh, I mean, I'm really failing to think of one client that I've had in the years that I have, that has not received benefit uh, from the simple fact of learning how to use an older state of consciousness to enha enhance their relaxation and well-being. Um, funnily enough, when people start sleeping better, that's another big one. Uh, when people learn to take mini breaks, learn to take uh, effective rests, and as a byproduct or as a direct cause, they end up sleeping better, other problems just drift away. Yeah. yeah. Well, th there's a reason the military for in most countries for years has used sleep, sleep deprivation as part of their training mm. because it puts a human being under massive strain. Well, yeah. uh, for somebody that's just living their life under that form of strain, that is the, that 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 may be um, presenting as a symptom of their problem. But when you start treating symptoms, funnily enough, problems start going away. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. Uh, treating symptoms is a good plan. Uh, the root cause, that's another plan. But there's no reason why we can't do both at the same time. And I think that using every resource that he, that we have, medical, um, complementary therapy, uh, food intake, using every resource we've got to increase our, increase our health and well-being, I, I think that's a lot smarter than just going one's better than the other and arguing about it. Yeah, today. yeah exactly. No, that's great. And thanks. That's really helpful around this listening, especially with, with kids who've, with, with um, like food problems, like with um, anybody, anybody dealing with any kids that have anorexic or like they, to know that they can do that, they, they have a place to go that can kind of bring their, their, their children to for help. So they might not have known that. I didn't know that myself. So thanks a lot for, for saying that. And then another thing that I found really helpful is um, interesting was the sports psychology and the thing as well, thing, uh, psych of um, hypnotherapy as well. That, that's, that's really, really good as well. Because I had a snooker player, Fergal O'Brien, on the podcast before, and he, he, it really helped him, like the, the, um, the um, hypnosis or not, like for the sports psychology side of things. So would you like to talk a bit about that, Orlando? Well, I'll, I'll talk a little bit about it, but not in great detail. It's, oh. it's not my area of specialty. Oh, However, in saying that, um, it captures my imagination. I do have friends that work, work in sports as a specialty. Um, the, you know, the, the examples of it through time, the first one that comes to mind is Mike Tyson. Not everyone's favorite sporting person, yeah. uh, but as a teenager, his coach had him seeing a hypnotist several times a week to yeah. produce what, what they wanted as a mindset. Um, mm -hmm. you, know, you think about it, a boxer walks into a ring. They're in a very different state of mind when they walk into that ring. And often you can look at the boxers before or MMA fighters, as many of them are now, uh, you yeah. can look at them as they go into the ring. And you, you can start laying bets based on what state of mind they appear to be in. And you can be consistently quite correct. Um, they're in a very different state of mind than they'd sit down and have breakfast with their children, for example. You know, yeah. They're going to do, they're, they're going to manage pain control. Uh, they want to distort time so that they can see things coming. They want to be able to see multiple perspectives at the same time. Muhammad Ali used to, uh, was, was famously quoted, I'm probably going to misquote him here, but you'll get the gist, that he used to watch the, uh, watch the fight from five different perspectives, whichever was most useful, the four corners of the ring mm -hmm. and his own. Mm -hmm. And it, he was using a, a form of 
very focused attention mm. to decipher what the other what the opponent was doing that yeah. takes a state of consciousness outside of pure conscious awareness our mm. conscious mind just simply cannot work that fast yeah but our <laughs> unconscious processing which you know in the mind we've got the conscious the unconscious to me it's one mind mm. these are different forms of processing yeah uh, um in the 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 rate and speed that we can process things consciously you know when a when a bug flies towards your eye Mm. It's the unconscious process that snaps the eye shut. Yeah, it's yeah. the conscious mind that opens up the eye to go, wonder if it's a bee or a wasp. <laughs> you know? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, our, 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 this is neurological. Our, our brains are designed to look after themselves and lower energy use. Um, you know, the brain uses a lot of the energy that we take in. I, I forget the percentage, whether it's 60 or 70% of our energy is used by the brain. The, the brain is a survival mechanism, wants to make things as uh, low energy requirement as possible, which means making things familiar and doing them automatically. And, you know, we, when we think about it like that, well, this, this hypnosis thing is not a thing. It's a process. Yeah. And it's one that every human being has come across at some stage in their life in some way, shape, or form. But I, I might be jumping ahead a little. <laughs> no, 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 that's great. No, that's really good. Thanks for sharing that with everybody. That's, that's really, because I know that was something I had an interest in. That's great. And moving on, like, do you think everybody, in your opinion, can be hypnotized? Can, can anybody be hypnotized? In my experience, yes. And uh, at this point, I think it really does beg to define what is hypnosis, which is yeah. kind of where yeah. I was just going. Um, <laughs> Hypnosis is not a thing. You know, yeah. you, you don't go down to the supermarket and buy 50 milligrams of hypnosis to feel better. You know, it yeah. doesn't work like that. It's not a product. You can't get a box yeah. of it. But it is It'd a process. It would be proper if it was. <laughs> it, it absolutely it would be probably be more popular because, yeah, suddenly if it, if it was a pill, uh, maybe, you know, maybe it would be easier and quicker. But the, the fact is it is that easy and it is that yeah. quick. And we've all yeah. done it before. M Milton Erickson, who was... Uh, who was often uh, touted as the grandfather of hypnosis, or at least of Ericksonian hypnosis. He was a medical doctor uh, and a hypnotherapist and a psychologist in the uh, 50s, 60s, 70s. One of his descriptions of hypnosis was the loss of the multiplicity of the foci of attention. Now, he was a medical doctor in the 50s and 60s, so it had to sound fancy. It couldn't just be right. Yeah. Uh, basically, the loss of the multiplicity means to bring have to only have one thing left to, for the or very few. If you lose the multiplicity, you have a very narrow focus of attention. Mm. So rather than hypnosis being a loss of control, and this has been proven over and over again by what people can accomplish, it's more so a state of mind and body where people are more focused and more in control of their sensory awareness than they usually are. You know, um, there, there have been there are multiple different things that can uh, prove this. For example, um, <clears throat> excuse me, um, being a, a person in a state, in a hypnotic state, in a mind and body state where their, their awareness is altered, uh, is often able to do things like uh, uh, one example was uh, Richard Bandler was working with uh, Richard Bandler and John Grinder working with a young fella and 
just out of it, uh, Gregory Bateson walked in the room. You can your listeners can look up these names at some other stage, but Gregory Bateson looked walked in the room and he said, "Can you make him talk backwards?" And they thought, "Don't know." So Richard suggested to this guy who was in a, in a very suggestible state of hypnosis that uh, he, in uh, a moment, he would open his eyes and when he spoke, he would say his sentences backwards. Now, two things surprised them. The next thing that happened was he opened his eyes and his next sentence came out backwards. Gregory Bateson then responded to him, also speaking backwards. Now, Gregory had learned to be able to do this while, you know, any time he liked. He practiced this as a skill. Why? I don't know. But not, not one of my life goals, but a cool party trick. The two of them had a conversation going backwards and forwards in simple sentences and both speaking backwards. So Richard then had him close his eyes and said to him, in a moment, I'm going to get you to open your eyes, become fully aware, and be able to explain how you just did what you just did. Is there any reason, uh, is there any reason you, uh, that you wouldn't be able to do this? And the guy shook his head. He said, right, well, open your eyes. And a few minute, moments later, when he composed himself, he said, it was like I could see the sentence I wanted to say, and I switched the words around backwards and just read it out. It got easier and easier. Well, I don't know about you, but... I believe anyone could consciously do that if they wanted to with simple sentences and it would take practice to get better and better with longer sentences, but to be able to do it at the drop of a hat, seconds after having it being suggested, I've, I've played with this with several people, no one's been able to do it. Yet in a state of hypnosis, he was able to do it at the drop of a hat. Now, if that's possible, what else is possible? And to me, that's where it gets really interesting. Um, now, the, the, you know, this is all direct hypnosis where one person is the operator, if you like, one's the client or practitioner and client. Um, uh, there's a lot of work done by stage hypnotists in their introduction. Uh, salespeople have been doing this for a long, long, long time. It's called conversational hypnosis. It's priming the client, setting things up before they're going to happen. And whether it be through, um, it's not direct. Uh, salespeople, I've never met a salespeople, the person that walks in and says, now just close your eyes. And imagine, <laughs> I've never had that. But I have walked into shops and damn near bought things I had no intention of buying. Mm. Yeah. In fact, yeah, I've, walked, I've walked to the supermarket for one thing and come out with six. Mm. <laughs> Something's yeah, going yeah. on there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, the way they kind of leave um, certain promoters and all that, to, if, you know, to buy this kind of soup. <laughs> I kind of read that before. If they see that kind of soup, they kind of magnetize them to buy other stuff. Like <laughs> I get what you're saying, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. I mean, look, there's a um, one of the one of the language patterns that I was reminded of just recently. Uh, a little alert came up on my phone, and it was a an article written uh, by the New Zealand Herald, a New Zealand yeah. newspaper. Yeah. And uh, the headline was something to the effect of um, uh, uh, FBI questioning technique becomes public. Mm. And it was uh, the technique was effectively to make three statements that the person could prove in their experience in the moment. And then one that you want them to believe that they may not be able to prove. But if they say three yes time, uh, sorry, yes, three times, 
the fourth thing they're probably increases the probability they're going to say yes to now on its own this language pattern isn't going to make people bark like chickens or run around doing things that uh, they don't want to do it doesn't work like that but stacking this on top of things look this didn't come from hypnotists this is a language pattern utilized by presenters and hypnotists that was developed by salespeople. Mm. Uh, well before I even heard of NLP or had an interest in, in, in hypnosis uh, in the early, uh, sorry, the mid and, mid, uh, mid and late 1990s, I was a sales executive in New Zealand for um, in Wellington and Auckland uh, doing corporate sales. Yeah. And on one of the sales courses I was on, we were taught this. Mm. And still to this day, salespeople do it. Why? Because it works. Yeah, exactly. And, and I absolutely love uh, John Lavelle, who co-trains with Dr. Richard Bandler. Um, uh, he's a master trainer of NLP and of design human engineering. Um, I love his explanation of hypnosis. Hypnosis is the exquisite use of language for a purpose. Now, it, language is verbal and nonverbal. You know, I know your listeners can't see this, but when someone stands in front of you and they shake their head and say something like, yes, you're absolutely right, <laughs> while shaking their head, something's not adding up there. Yeah. And it's a really obvious way of watching what's going on. But you know, these skills, the, the, the skills of language, skills of linguistics, skills of uh, hypnotic language, of language of influence, these are absolutely brilliant in a sales environment as a hypnotist in hypnotherapy as a parent, as a yeah. teacher, uh, as an employer, as a, like any place where you've got two human beings communicating and one wants to get their point across to the other, yeah. the person yeah. with the most flexibility is going to have a distinct advantage. And to me, I'd rather know than have someone else know and me not know. It just seems to make sense to me. Yeah, no, that's great. That's really good, yeah. <laughs> I love that one because it's very hard to do that, say yes and nod in your head like that. <laughs> well, it doesn't even feel congruent. If it, you know, it, it, trying to agree with someone while shaking your head side to side, it feels kind of funny. Well, there's a reason for that, yeah, you know? Yeah. <laughs> very good, yeah. Yeah. Can you give people, um, this is great, but can you give people a little takeaway of what, ways you use hypnosis uh hypnotherapy (laughs) absolutely um to me you know further from the statement made by john lavelle of the exquisite use of language uh, to me hypnosis is everywhere Mm. doesn't mean people are doing it particularly well um uh there are ethics to be considered as well but now that's a personal choice um for me, the, the biggest takeaway, takeaway would be to usefully arm yourself so that you can communicate to other people in a way that you really want them to understand. Um, in neurolinguistic programming, uh, there, there are presuppositions, beliefs that work within the technology, if you like. Uh, one of them is the quality of, the, of your communication is the response you get. Mm. Because you... you browbeating someone else into agreeing with you if they do not understand what you're saying. Well, someone needs to make a change. And as the communicator, if you're able to be flexible and describe what you want to describe in different ways, you're going to be able to appeal to a much wider audience. 
or if you're speaking to one person, you're going to have a much higher chance of them receiving the message that you're actually wanting them to receive. You know, we, we've got to be very aware. I, I think it pays to be very aware. We all work from our own model of the world. Yeah. You know, when, when I say dog, what do you think of? Yeah, someone, a dog barking. and um, okay, What colour is your dog? What colour is uh, the dog you're thinking of? Say it's a brownish colour. Brown, well, that's brown. really weird because I was thinking of a black dog and I, I said dog, but you got the wrong one. How did that happen? <laughs> well, I mean, you, you see this happening all the time. I, I, you know, in cafes and what, have you been more aware of how we use language and what it means to the individual using the language? Oftentimes, more often than not, people, when they are speaking, they are speaking to you in the same way they are thinking to themselves. Mm. Yeah. And this is where you get incongruities. I mean, I've seen people argue about the same point where they agree, but they're not explaining it to each other in the way the other one understands. And you hear statements like, don't you see what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. Another person will say, no, I don't get what you just said. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. well what, what do you mean get it? How are you going to get it specifically? What do you mean see it? You didn't draw a picture. Well, I can see it in my mind's eye. Why can't you? Well, because I'm not you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but when we start learning about these distinctions in language, we can start listening to them in other people. And honestly, the biggest takeaway that I would give, and not to mention this is by far the most comical role I've ever had in my life. Um, the more I learn about language, the more I... Uh, practice over time with uh, students, I mean, uh, whether I'm teaching to students and training or whether I'm working as a practitioner with individual clients or with groups, um, the, the humor quality is phenomenal when you start being more aware of ambiguities in language and yeah. how people are communicating one thing, but they seem to be saying another. Mm. Um, and I think uh, with, a, with a good attitude and a sense of humor, you can get through just about anything. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But laughing on the outside is not always appropriate. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> but uh, retaining that sense of humor on the inside uh, makes it a lot easier to slow down and have patience for another person's communication and then ask a quality question. And yeah. it might be as simple as, could you please re-explain that? I didn't get what you meant. Yeah. Could you show yeah. me what you mean, please? Yeah, yeah. Now, can you draw a picture? Can you show me a diagram or show me a photograph? I need a visual representation for it. And the other person goes, well, it looks like this picture here on my phone. You go, oh, okay. Now everything else you just said made sense. Mm. And suddenly those two people start communicating on a much closer level yeah, than they yeah. were five minutes ago. Mm. Um, like visual and thing, auditory, isn't it, uh, Orlando? Like visual and auditory and... Yeah. Yeah. Well, look. You know, we've, we've got five. Uh, you know, keep keeping this pragmatic. Okay. Keeping it uh, uh, locked in reality that we can all prove with our own experience. There are five senses that the human body has. I know people talk about having a sixth sense and all the rest of it. I'm yeah. not talking yeah. about other things. I'm not saying they don't exist. Mm -hmm. I'm saying in this realm: visual, auditory, kinesthetic, olfactory, gustatory. What you can yeah. see, what you can hear, what you can uh, feel, smell, and taste. And that those five representation systems, the reason in NLP they're known as representation systems is, yes, they're the five senses of the body, but they're how we usefully represent things inside our mind. Yeah. You know, um, 
the, the classic story of uh, uh, at, at the scene of a car accident, there's a police officer and there are 10 witnesses. Yeah. The, the officer gets 10 different statements mm. and people will change the color of the car. They're not necessarily lying. It's just how they remember it. Mm-hmm. And you know, the, the officer has to go through and pick and from those 10 statements, figure out what was most likely to have had happened. Mm. Now, if they actually have video evidence, they'll find that none of the 10 statements are verbatim. There's always incongruities from someone's experience because, of course, we we see, hear, feel what's going on in the moment, and all that information comes in through our senses. Keep in mind, two billion bits of information are estimated to be uh, human beings are aware of per second. 138 of them we're consciously aware of. The other 1.9, whatever it is, billion, we're we're not consciously aware of all that information per second. So all this information comes in through our senses, and then we code it in a certain way, therefore it becomes of memory. Mm. Now, we've taken this massive amount of information, and we've coded it down to this. And then when we get asked about it, we dive all the way down into our mind, into our memory, we pull up this and we explain that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, very well explained. Um, I don't know what the politically correct term for it is now, but at school when I was a child, we called, we played a game called Chinese Whispers. Uh, yeah, I don't know what yeah. the name of it is now. I mean no disrespect yeah. to anyone. But in a group of people in a circle, each one person gets given a sentence, they whisper it to the person next to them, so on and so forth. And at the end, the entire story is different. It's never the same as what it started. Yeah. You know, sometimes the entire context and topic, everything's changed. Well, <laughs> it's not because anyone's trying to deceive anyone else. Mm. They're actually hearing it, storing it, regurgitating it seconds later, mm. and it still dramatically changes. Yeah. So um, you know, we're, we're in language where this makes sense, and again, the, the study of language, or the, or the, it's not so much a, a study per se, it's an ongoing uh, awareness of language. You know, if I haven't seen I haven't seen you for what, a couple of weeks and uh, today we're on this podcast, I ask you, how are you doing, Mark? You say? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. So how have you been the last three weeks? I've been, been good, been okay. What have you been up to? Uh, doing podcasts and... and um just gone out with the kids, bringing them swimming, bringing them on the park and all that right. kind of stuff, yeah. <laughs> so so in, in four sentences or so, you've just represented three weeks of your living experience. You didn't even mention sleeping once. No, I didn't. <laughs> no. Yeah. How is your, when I say how, how are you or how have you been, for three weeks, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, Mark has been good. Been okay. which, which makes you sound like a Kiwi with an Irish accent. But <laughs> I'm good, I'm bad, I'm not so good, I'm great. <laughs> but you know, we take this massive amount of experience and we answer it with something linguistically very, very short. Yeah. Now, yeah. when the moment you become aware of that, interesting, yeah. it starts getting interesting, like, well, hang on, if I wanted to unpack Mark's three weeks, what would be the most useful question I could ask? And then the next most, because there's a plethora of questions I could ask, but why yeah. would, what, depending on what the goal of seeking the information is, will depend on which, what's the most high quality question. Now, when I'm working with clients, when I'm working with groups, um, I, I use the same process specifically when I'm working one on one with a client. If a client walks in and says to me, I have anxiety, 
Now, I could ask them, why have you got anxiety? And they're going to say, because blah, 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 blah. Mm. Okay, no disrespect, but I'm going to get a big long-winded because. If I ask them, what are you anxious about? They might, they're going to give me an answer of what they, what they think they're anxious about. I still got no idea how they're doing the problem or what the problem is. Yeah. But if, I say, if they say to me, well, I have anxiety, if I say to them, where? Yeah. Where have yeah. you got anxiety? Oh, well, I mainly have it in the car. No, no, no. Well, do you leave it in the boot or have you got it in your body? Yeah. Oh, well, it's in my body. Whereabouts specifically? Oh, now suddenly they're looking for something they haven't looked for before. This is new information. This is called thinking. Yeah. Uh, you know, Richard's latest book with Owen Fitzpatrick and uh, Glenda was written called Thinking on Purpose. Mm. <laughs> Good plan. Because yeah. a lot of the thinking that we do is actually remembering. Mm. You know, I've been thinking about this over and over again. Well, have you really? Or have you just had the same thought 30 times? Because thinking is a present and future tense activity that includes creativity, that is, changes, differences. And the moment you ask a question that make, that uh, encourages a client to look at their problem from a different perspective, suddenly they may gain a new insight. And that unto itself can be absolutely mind-blowing for people and really, really useful. It also gets them to go inside their mind and when people do go inside there, that's a good time to remind them they can close their eyes and just start breathing a little slower. Yeah. That's or other language. <laughs> yeah. No, that's great. That's very, very, very interesting. Like, you know, thanks for sharing that with all the listeners. That's, that's great, Orlando. Thanks very much. And then, um, yeah, welcome. Yeah, that's great. And just uh, another thing there. Um, I found it great when you were uh, showing, showing how, how to use hypnosis in, in uh, hypnosis and pairs in the in the meetup every every tourist day. Like I found that really really good. Where can you explain how that works? I just I just thought that was great. Your way, and me and somebody else were hypnotizing. So um, we, we had our both had different ways of doing it, and um, it actually worked out really well. Like, uh, do you want to explain uh, um, how that works, yes. please? Absolutely. Um, look, uh, yeah, the group you've heard every Thursday evening, um, I, I host an open NLP and hypnosis meetup. And yeah, each week we cover different topics. We do different things. Um, and uh, usually most evenings, uh, sometimes we have guests, but most evenings uh, we have a particular topic. And the, that particular evening you're referring to, um, we were doing one of my favorite exercises, which is double induction hypnosis. Now, double induction basically means you've got two people talking, one person listening. Uh, so both part, both sides of their brain get to go on fire at the same time and get absolutely confused and in wonderment and off into a deep trance they go. That, that's often the, the use of double induction. Uh, on the group for that exercise that evening, the reason that I was that I use that and I do enjoy it as a, a, a as an exercise as a participant myself and guiding the group is because that group, I mean, we've got people that have got 10, 20 years experience in the group. We've also got people that it's the first time they've ever heard about it. So they come along just to find out and it, all levels are welcome. Yeah, cool. Well, I'm, I'm pretty aware as the host um, of who's in the room. I know most people because they send me an email to join it. So I know who they are to a degree. Yeah. And I usually do ask, have you had any experience? Blah, blah, blah. Mm. This is not a test. There's no requirement. But when we're doing an exercise, 
I'm not going to put you on your own with someone so that you can feel bad. You know, you had plenty of that at school, you know. Yeah. <laughs> We're all adults now. We get to be nice to each other. So the, the reason that I use the double induction as a regular exercise is three people go into a Zoom breakout room. One person's going to be the client and the other two are going to do the hypnotizing. Now, I will usually, as best as possible, I will match people up to someone that has a higher level of confidence and competence with someone that's never done it before or has a, a lower level of, uh, of expertise or they've done it less or, or they're just not feeling that great about they haven't used the skills a lot. And by working together, and obviously the more confident person simply begins the process, the other one gets to learn. And you get to have a go. And all that pressure of if I get it wrong, what will happen? Don't worry about it. Yeah. It's all there's someone else there. You're doing it as a team. And yeah, we I set very solid framework and parameters around what's going on. And we keep it very light. And it's not a deep therapy session. It's uh, we always choose topics like something that you just want to feel better about, something you a good feeling you, you want to double in your life, you know, yeah. fun things like that. Because the, the purpose of the exercise is all three people get to hear and experience each other's language and different ways of doing things. Everyone gets to have a go as the client and as the operator. So you get to hear it and feel it from both sides. And it ends up being a positive experience where everyone gets to have a practice, have an experience, learn what it is. And you know, we have people come along and say, look, I've never done this before. I have no idea. And I'll say to them, look, I'm going to put you in with such and such and so and so, both who are very skilled at what they're doing. And um, if, if you're comfortable at any stage, um, just have a crack. And if you're not, be a passenger. You know, enjoy what it is, learn what you can learn, and ask questions. Mm. You know, it's a, a big part of that group. Uh, the ethos of it when I began was to learn, share, and grow. And that hasn't changed. Um, I love learning myself. I love yeah. sharing what I have, uh, what I have learned, and I believe that growth is imperative. Change is happening. I just like to have something to do with the direction it's going. Yeah, yeah. No, it is great. It's absolutely great to meet up on every tour. See, like it's for anybody that's listening, you got to check it out. Um, I, I, I put the links in the show notes of the last episode, but I know it's great. And thanks a lot for sharing that, everybody, and about the uh, hyp hypnosis. No, it was great. It was really, really good. Yeah. Look, yeah, yeah, if anyone's interested, anyone that's listening is interested, have a look. I'm sure somewhere in the notes there'll be a link or contact mark. Um, get in touch and you're welcome to come along. There's no requirement to come every week or this, that, or the other. It's there. We're there anyway, and you're very welcome. Brilliant, brilliant. Yeah, just one last thing. Thanks a minute, um, Orlando. Uh, what I might probably talk about the next time, if it's okay with you, um, timelines and anchors. In your in your opinion, um, is would timelines be a form of hypnosis, or uh, it, it is is it a hypnotic uh, state? Do you think? Uh, yes. Yeah, I was thinking that. Yeah. <laughs> when we think of it, it, it to, to further expand our definitions on uh, hypnotic state, if if a person is visualizing something and they find it easier to close their eyes and they imagine a line in which they're on and it's their timeline. And we'll, we'll discuss more of what that is in the next. I'm very happy yeah. to go into it. another one of my favorite subjects. Yeah, it's great. That's me too. And they imagine floating above a timeline and going back in time and going forward in time and learning new resources. This is a little different to the normal waking state that they'd eat their breakfast or drive to work. 
you know, it's a great lead-in. It's a very comfortable lead-in for people to um, to experience an altered state of consciousness, to experience what the, what they can achieve um, in a closed-eye process or hypnosis or a meditative state. You know, many pathways to the divine. All yeah. of these different things are descriptions of a very similar state of mind and body. And there is not one hypnotic state. There's lots of different things that human beings can do with their mind. I mean, you know, there are people that um, that comfortably stick hooks through their skin and get hung off things and lay on beds of nails and walk on broken yep. glass. Now, none of those are life goals for me. Well, but if you ever see a video, and you can find this on YouTube, find a video of someone doing that. They're not having a conversation about the most painful things in life vividly with somebody else. They're usually in a very calm, very quiet state, often staring off into nowhere while it's happening. Well, yeah. that's a state of mind and body, which I would call a trance state. They're in a kind of trance. Anyone that's got children knows what a trance state looks like. When two children, one child, when a child is watching TV and they are immersed in that television program, Sometimes you can scream and yell and jump up and down, and they do not hear. Yeah, I know. They're, they're in the TV trance. Yeah. <laughs> um, for a lot of adults, myself very much included, we've experienced the driving trance, mm. where you're driving along. I used to drive from my house into town all the time to go to the supermarket, yeah. and I'd end up at one of my clients' businesses. Mm. I missed the supermarket yeah. completely. How did that happen? Know, yeah. I was driving perfectly safely, yeah. but yeah. My, my my direction went this way instead. Oh. Yeah. Well, you know, um, the timelines are, you know, the, the, the concept of a time, timelines aren't real, by the way. No. They're, a, they're, they're, they're an internal representation of a concept. Mm. It's called a thought or a memory. And, and they are, as a, as a concept, it's an extremely useful planning tool, um, changing tool for, uh, for creating uh, personal development, personal change, for sorting out things in the past without content, which is one of my favorite things to do. Um, a large portion of my client, client list um, or client uh, grouping, if you like, are ladies that have had issues in the past of some degree. And unfortunately, um, a lot of it's quite nasty and a lot of it, um, I wish it didn't exist in the world. It's part of part of my job. I'd happily be redundant. In, but unfortunately, it's very common. And um, one of the main pieces of feedback that I get, because a lot of people question me, especially the women that come to see me, they say, my friends suggested you, but I feel a bit funny speaking to a man because of the content of what we're going to be working on. And I'll say to them, well, number one, you probably won't be doing that much talking. I'll be doing a lot of it. If you haven't noticed, I don't really shut up that much. Number two, whatever you're coming to see me about, we do not have to discuss the content of it. We can work structurally. I don't know what happened. Yeah. Now, yeah. that is a very different approach to sit on the couch and tell me all the worst experiences of your life so you and I can go through them. Yeah. Uh, it, it's just not my style. No, um, no. People know what happened to them. They they know what, what, where things got screwed up. 
they've probably been over it a thousand times since and then still not feeling better. A thousand and one time isn't going to help anymore, I don't believe. Doing the same thing and over and over again and expecting a different result, definition of insanity. Mm-hmm. But working on it structurally and making changes at an unconscious level and then being then being able to an hour later think back to that memory and either it's a dis- it's so distant they can hardly remember it or they're aware of it feelings detached so they can still learn from it and be safe in the future i think that's a good plan right. and the words of dr richard bandler a lot of the work that we do is help educating people on how to use their brain for a change to create change to help people get smarter we don't need to help anyone get dumber yeah exactly no no this has been absolutely brilliant tonight Orlando. thanks a million for for um discussing this with me and, and uh giving some great tips for 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 the listeners as well and i look forward to the next time um talking about timelines and some anchors as well that, that would be brilliant hello can you hear me oh i'm here can you hear me I'll okay moment there. sorry that might be mine yeah i know looking forward to next time talking about timelines and uh, anchors as well so um thanks a million again orlando you're very welcome, Mark, and thank you everyone for listening or, and watching. Uh, look forward to seeing you again very soon. Thank you. Take care. So thanks everybody for tuning to today's podcast, Mark's Motivational Podcast, this Tuesday. Um, so listen, enjoy the rest of your week and look forward to talking to you next Tuesday with Orlando and um, tune in on Tourism for new podcasts. Take care. Thank you. Yeah, thanks a million for listening to today's podcast, Mark's Motivational Podcast with your host, Martin Strange. So uh, that was Orlando Zicchetto. We are discussing hypnotherapy today. So it was a really good um, podcast. Thanks a million for coming on, Orlando. So uh, stay tuned for Thursday's uh, episode with another author, Derek Power, on Arthur's Thursday on Mark's Motivational Podcast. So stay tuned for that. Have a great week. Sun and fall. Good night. Good morning.